When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Whether it's routine maintenance, an emergency repair, or a dream project, Angie lets you browse homeowner reviews, compare quotes from multiple local pros, and even book a service instantly. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1060. Oh my gosh, a lot of podcasts going up now because, uh, you know, eh, there's not a ton of other stuff to do other than responsibly stay home. Uh, So we're recording a ton. There's some really amazing ones coming up. And uh, as I say every week, my hope is that you are safe and healthy and that this is uh, providing you with a fun, positive distraction. Um, All right, let's talk about events at ID10T.com, the ID10T community corkboard. This comes from Robert, who says, I'm a longtime listener from Scotland. Sidebar, Robert, I love Scotland. I cannot wait to go back there when we are allowed to do such things uh, because I miss it. He says, uh, I've been inspired by Chris and the team since I was 14 years old to make my thing. And at 21, I'm finally really proud of something that I've worked on. Oh my gosh, 14, 14 to 21. Oh, we've been doing the podcast for so long. You've grown up, Robert. Um, He says, my friend Michael and I have started a series of short animations by him accompanied by my attempts at calm, relaxing music over the top of it. The series called Pathways. The first episode, Chrysalis, is available on YouTube right now. If you have a spare moment, it's only 90 seconds long. You can find it by searching Pathways Chrysalis on YouTube. Well, Robert, I will say I did search Pathways Chrysalis on YouTube. And your animation is fantastic. And your music... Says so this Robert Matheson is the the fella uh, that you'll see on on YouTube. Your music is f- spectacular. There's a calming uh, maturity to it. Not that 21 year olds aren't mature. I just mean that it sounds like you've been you've been making music for decades. So uh, I hope that you were able to extract the compliment <laughs> that was intended there. But Robert, your music is beautiful. And thank you so much for listening to uh, the podcast for a considerable chunk of your life, like a fucking third of your life. So thank you. Thank you. And uh, hopefully we can high five someday in Scotland. Uh, and I really, really, really appreciate you and your work and events at ID10T.com is how you get your thing on on the cork board. But let's talk about this episode. This is Josh Hutcherson, who has been in a million things since he was a kid. And of course, the Hunger Games. Um, and uh, my wife and I, I bring this up, we watched Journey to the Center of the Earth the other night, which he was uh, in, which was so much fun. Just a great quarantine, you know, like when you're quarantined movie to watch. Um, just breezy and upbeat, and uh, I think I think you will enjoy it. And you got the Brendan Fraser in there too, who's a delight. So here we go. Josh is uh, promoting season three of Future Man, which is on Hulu, and uh, you should watch it and support him. 
but a really swell fella that I had never met before, and I really greatly enjoyed this chat via web conferencing. So here we go with the ID10T podcast number 1060 with Josh Hutcherson as we roll the thing. Initiating ID10T protocol. quarantine with me and uh we actually she's from madrid um oh wow and so we have we I, I split my time between la and madrid um so every day she's like from 9 a.m to like 2 p.m is just skyping and zooming with all of her friends and family and stuff because they're obviously living through it crazily there um so yeah it's it's a lot i mean it it, it is but it it uh it it is pretty crazy about how doesn't it feel like in, in in an instant all of our priorities and focus just shifted so dramatically that uh hopefully when this is all over we won't go back to getting upset about stupid things anymore we will <laughs> because this is so the priority shift is so overwhelming and it's like Hey, maybe it's not a big deal that I had to wait an extra five minutes for a latte. Maybe it doesn't matter that that person didn't email me or that something on social media pissed me off. Maybe, uh, maybe it's not that important anymore. You know, one one can only hope. One can only hope. But I, I, I completely. It's, it's very weird. The shift. It's, it's sudden and how, how, how are you hanging in there so far? I mean, we're doing pretty good. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about it the other day because, like. In, in in my industry and my girlfriend's an actress too, it's it's kind of normal to work a lot and then have up to months off at a time where you kind of are doing nothing and you have to fill your time. Um, so in that sense, I feel really badly for people, especially who work like normal nine to five kind of hours and stuff. And all of a sudden that quantum shift is just massive. Um, right. But, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, yeah, it's up and down. You know, some days you wake up and you feel the weight of the world and the horridness that's going on all over the place and, and everything. And other days you're like, I could do this forever because I have social anxiety and now I have an excuse to not talk to anyone or see any people. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. And so many of my friends are like, we don't go out that much anyway, you know? So it is the, the idea of sort of, I wonder if that's going to cure some social anxiety, though, being forced to stay in. If it's like, you know what, maybe it's okay to go out and talk to people. It might. It might. I I am afraid that, like, now whenever I watch a movie or a show or something and I see groups of people together and they're hugging and interacting, I just get, like... You get stressed. I get super stressed. I'm like, guys, no, no, six feet, six feet. What are you doing? I'm like, this is not safe. (laughs) You're going to kill our grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. Or like you're watching a, you're watching some show and a commercial comes on and it's like some, some pharmaceutical ad and someone's just out walking in the world at a soccer game. You're like, you're at the fuck. What are you, you know, there's your money. You can't, can't, you can't be out right now. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, You're part of the fucking problem. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yelling at commercials. God, don't <laughs> put a mask on. What are you breathing on the fuck? What the fuck are you breathing on the produce? <laughs> yeah, oh, I man. totally. Um, were you working on something when all the shit went down, or were you already on a break? I was. I was already on a break. Um, yeah, I. I mean, I've had. I've had. I have projects that are in development, and who knows, like when this whole thing's gonna like industry is going to pick back up and everything. I just shot a, um, I guess, end of January, I shot a, a new pilot for Showtime for a show that they're hopefully going to make um, with Lena Headey um, from Game of Thrones and um, and Lisa Cholodenko, who directed me and Kids Are All Right back in the day. Um, and so we were supposed to know, hopefully, in the next month or so, if they're going to push forward with the show or not. Um, and if that's the case, I don't know what the hell the schedule would be. I don't know if they'd spend like the summer writing and then hopefully in the fall going to production and, and all that. But, uh, but yeah, thankfully I was not in the middle of like physical production. Just And what are you, what are you generally doing to occupy your time? Are you watching a lot of stuff? Do you play games? Do you read? Like, what is, what is, what is your, I mean, cause like you said, as an actor, you get a lot of chunks of time off anyway. But now that you're now that we're all sort of housebound, like what are you what are you doing? Like what does your day consist of? I mean, I uh, my day my day to day consists of waking up in the morning and cleaning the kitchen compulsively, um, mm-hmm. not in fear of coronavirus being in my kitchen, but just because I'm like cooking now all day every day, and so it's constantly just this rotation of dirty shit that needs to be cleaned. Oh yeah, we're in um, it. So so I do. That's a big. That's a big part of my day right there. That knocks out a good you know hour and a half. Um, and then it's kind of it's a kind of a grab bag of things. My my girlfriend and I have been painting a lot, which I'm I'm a terrible painter and she's very good. So it's it's that's a fun dynamic um, to watch her paint near masterpieces, and I'm like painting rip off Rothkos of just rectangles on, on um, so we we do that uh we watch some tv some movies I, I play some video games um and then there's yeah we do a lot of like zoom and skype with friends and friends of ours in spain and stuff and you know we, we try to switch it up um i, I find it like i was I, I was like looking forward not looking forward to this but in any way but if there was one good thing i was like oh i'm gonna be sequestered so that means i'm gonna get a lot of work done be creative i'm gonna write i'm gonna do all this stuff and I just find myself being so unmotivated a lot of the times. And I realize how much having social interaction and being around my friends and being in the world is a big part, I think, of my creativity and my like process that now having that taken away, it's it's weird to to try to to try to get that machine going. But I'm I'm trying. We've been I have two pit bulls, so we've been like taking a lot of walks through the neighborhoods and and stuff like that. But uh, you know, it's day to day. Yeah, I mean it's sort of I I've I, I find uh, I'm having a lot of conversations with my friends and there is a consistent, there are two consistent things. Number one, no one is sleeping well. And number two, most people are not feeling particularly creative. And I, and I feel like, yeah, because it, there's like a, that part of our, that creative part of our brain, I think is sort of locked up in the uncertainty of like, what, a, what's going to happen tomorrow? And what are we going to have to, you know, are we going to, is, are things going to change again? Is it going to be okay? Is it not going to be okay? So the fact that we're in this kind of weird, you know, emotional, like dead space, you know, this weird emotional kind of like zone of uncertainty, I think that is eating up a lot of the, um, the creative energy that we would normally have of, you know, oh my God, I'm going to be at home for a couple of months. I'm going to, 
I'm going to write a movie or I'm going to make it. And it's like, I don't know anyone who's really writing anything right now. No, me neither, like, man. Me neither. And it's just funny, know? too, because sometimes it's like I, um, I I work with my mom, um, who's like a, she produces with my company and stuff. And, you know, she's been oh, in this cool. industry with me since I was a child. Never my manager. She wasn't one of those stage parents. <laughs> Not a momager? Uh, thank God, no. Um, I think like sometimes she likes to think she is, but she's not. Um, and, uh, and you know, like she is a very business minded person and, and is not that much on the creative side of, of this, of this business, but she's like, Oh, this is great. You have so much time now you can get all this work done. You can be creative and you can write these projects that you've been like thinking about or developing. And, and I'm just like, I, I, I haven't found a way yet to, to get that engine started. And I've been like trying to make some music, which has been helpful in the painting. So I'm trying to do other things that are outside my, my known realm of creativity to try to engage that part of my mind. System, I think. Yeah. I think the focus really should just, the most important thing is just to feel okay every day, you know? And I keep telling people, just take the pressure off yourself of having to create some masterpiece because the most important thing is that you feel okay. You know, yeah. that you feel that you just focus on your mental health and be comfortable. And if you make stuff great, if you don't, that's fine too. Like sometimes it's just enough to be and to just sort of get through it. And that's okay. Cause as sort of creative entities, I do think eventually this will, the experience will express itself in creative ways. Doesn't necessarily have to be right now. Could be a year from now or two years from now. But um, yeah, I think the most important thing is just to just get through every day. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think like, you know, I was, my girlfriend and I, like we have a few ideas for some movies that we want because she's super creative and, and very talented in a lot of ways. And we have some ideas of, you know, some movies and some short films and these things we want to create. And I think a lot of times, even without this, this quarantine, what stops us from, from doing it is putting this pressure of what it needs to be ultimately and wanting to like live up to this huge expectation. And that is daunting to enter. And so like we've been talking lately and we're like, you know, it's just about starting. It's just about starting it and seeing where the hell it goes. Like maybe you have one idea and that morphs into something and then you branch out from that. But like the pressure of needing to have this thing finished in the end is, is hard to overcome. And now I think even, even more so we need to try to find ways around that. Yeah. Well, I think also it's, you know, we're obviously in it already without all of the, the virus and the quarantines, we're already in a very uncertain business and we do try to make it as uh, secure as we possibly can. And, but that's just impossible, you know? So to think too far ahead, to try to plan too far ahead and try to have things be fully formed. And, you know, I don't know, it just sort of reminds you of like, yeah, that's all, that's not entirely real to do that anyway. So maybe we just sort of, like you said, we just start, we just engage in things and we just kind of get through each day as, as we can and not worry about, how is it going to get produced? And what is, what's the ending of this thing? Like, it doesn't matter. Just give it a beginning and then see what happens. See where it goes. Yeah. And to like, not to like jump crazy all over the place, but like, you know, just thinking about how fortunate we are to be in this business and be in this industry right now and, and have that luxury of like using the creativity to write or like trying, you know what I mean? And there's so many people right now that are in really, really hard situations that are, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, now have their kids at home with them, trying to work from home or not even being able to work from home, uncertainty of paycheck, not being able to pay. Like there's, there's a, and, and that to me, like that noise builds up a lot that's noise. It's an important thing, but like 
all of that really builds up in me a lot too. And it, and it really bothers me and you feel helpless, you know, and you, you try to find ways to engage and, you know, be, I have like a, a group text um, of some fellow quarantine, or like the, the quarantine mutant ninja turtle or something. And, um, <laughs> and, and we, and we like, we start doing this thing where, you know, we're pulling our money together to like feed an ICU or ER doctor unit for a week or whatever. And trying to like do things to engage, but it's just, there's so much to be done that it is, uh, it is hard sometimes to figure out how to attack it all. Yeah, it is. But, but that's, but you're thinking, but those, that's, that's the right direction though, because, you know, we're helpless to a degree, but also there are still are things we can do. And that's definitely something to, to do. I mean, it's just every, every industry, like I, I just, in, in the last several generations, with the exception of like, you know, maybe World War II or Vietnam, Vietnam War, like what has, I don't even know, like what has affected everyone in a very similar way, you know, that every industry, every person is being affected in some way. Uh, And so we're all, we're all a part of it. So in any direction, there's got, there's something that you can do because literally everyone is, is affected to a degree. Yeah, a hundred percent. What are you playing right now? Are you playing? Uh, are you playing Switch? Are you playing uh, Xbox? Uh, I'm, playing, playing? I'm playing PlayStation Four. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I'm a big Overwatch fan. I play a lot of Overwatch. Oh, nice. Um, which is really fun. Nice. And then I just like literally two days ago downloaded the new um, Call of Duty uh, Warzone game, and it's really addictive. So I'm trying to like limit. <laughs> I feel like I feel like a teenager who should be doing my homework, and my parents need to put limits on my video game screen time. Uh, so I'm trying to self-implement it, but it's just like you're sitting around sometimes and you're just like, well, that's engaging and stimulating. So I'm going to go do that for four damn hours. And then, you know, it's like, shit, it's two in the morning now. Um, so yeah. yeah, but you should be, you know, like, dude, dude, just cut yourself a break on that. Because I know, it's, I know. It's totally, it's totally okay. Because it all happened again, it all happened so fast. So you were in a different kind of work mode mentality and you, you, the momentum of your career really hasn't stopped since you were a kid. So it's just a different, you know, it's just a different way of thinking. And then eventually it'll all even back out and you'll, you'll be back in this sort of crazy, you know, rat race of what you were doing before. But, and then you might now go, well, you know, I really- fuck it and play video games. <laughs> <laughs> honestly best advice i've heard in this whole quarantine thank you for that i think you just needed someone to give you permission that it's okay hey don't feel bad listen this is my switch right here i've been my wife and i have been playing this game called animal crossing for hours and hours a day and we're both just fine with it like yeah fuck of course okay like that's okay right now yeah, it, it is crazy, like, the, the barometer of what is, like, acceptable behavior now in your own home. Just, like, the, the amount of time without showering, the clothing choice, the, like, yeah. how much time you spend on your phone or in front of a computer or in front of a TV. Like, all of that has just, like, like just disappeared. And so now it's, like, yeah. everything is fair game. It's, like, I'm going <laughs> to lay in bed till two in the afternoon today and watch reruns of Kardashians. Cool. Like, Go for yeah. it. Whatever you need to do That's to get through cool. this, you know, do it. That's totally fine. I, I yesterday, like, I think, I think three days was my, my max no, no shower limit. 
because every day just started to feel like the same day. It was very Groundhog Day. Uh, and then, but then, and then I was like, I need to shower. And I really am a believer in that doing those daily things, like don't forget to brush your teeth every morning, you know, wash your face, you know, take a shower if you can. That stuff does give you a semblance of regularity that I do think is important. I think it might give you some dignity because honestly, <laughs> that's kind of gone out the window a little bit too. I realized I did, I did an interview like, I want to say three days ago. And I realized that in that interview, I was wearing a shirt that that was on its third day of having had been worn. And that included going for a run walk with my dogs for like three miles. And that was the same shirt. Yep. And I was just like, yep. this, I am not respecting myself and I need to make some changes in my life. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I started doing laundry again. I'm trying to shower daily, keep up personal hygiene, but it, yeah. it, it's a grind, man. It's a grind. <laughs> yeah. It also, it also lets you know, like how much you, how much you do stuff for yourself and how much you're like, well, I don't want to smell around other people, <laughs> but if no one's smelling you, what's the big, you know, you're like, yeah, well, yeah. You, you know, just get, get under some water. And, uh, that's, that's a, that's a slippery slope going down that, that mentality of, of what do I do for me and what do I do for others? <laughs> that's a dangerous game to start playing. <laughs> Who what am do I? Because it's socially acceptable <laughs> to not, uh, not be smelly in public. Um, do you, uh, uh, did you have a bunch of other stuff lined up? I know you did the pilot for Showtime. Were you, was there anything else you were supposed to work on this year that kind of got pushed off or anything? Uh, I mean, you know, like this, this business is so weird how it all works and how projects come together. I, I had like, like two or three movies that were all sort of trying to go sometime between spring and end of summer, but they're indie films. So it's like, they have funding and they don't have funding. Then one actor drops out. So they lose the funding. And so it's like this constant game of like Tetris puzzle making shit. That's very frustrating. Um, I had nothing that was like locked in, ready to go for like May start date. Um, but there was, there were a few things that were supposed to happen. And as well, I have, I have a project that um, I've been developing for a while that uh, I'm, it's going to be my first feature that I'm going to direct. Um, and, and that is still in the process of development and all this stuff. Um, but we were trying to get that made by the end of this year. And it just sort of feels like everything's been pushed off a certain, a certain distance. And, and I think the frustrating part is just not knowing when these things are going to happen, not knowing if they're going to happen. Um, especially like indie movies where a big part of them getting made is momentum and about things coming together at the right time and everything like moving towards a certain, you know, start date. And when all of a sudden the industry gets shut down like it is, it's just, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, but yeah, I had, I had nothing that was fully like ready to go, which I guess is nice and warm. So uh, it absolutely makes sense that you would direct. I mean, when you grow up on set, I don't know, it just, you, you have a wealth of knowledge. Uh, <laughs> and for you, was it, do you love the idea of directing as an art or was it like, Oh, that feels like a fun challenge. I really want to try that. Cause I've, been on the other side of it for so long you know I, I think I think it's more about it's what I really want to do like I as a kid you know when I was nine ten years old and starting acting I had my little high eight mini dv cam and I would direct movies with my friends and, and all this stuff and and so thinking in that way of storytelling as a director 
as something that has actually blocked me sometimes as an actor, because sometimes I have a hard time losing myself into the moment as an actor, because I'm thinking about the other elements of directing and camera and story and light and all this shit. Um, and so for me, I think it's something that's very liberating uh, to, to go and direct. I think too, as an actor, you don't have a whole lot of control. You know, you, you, you shoot a scene, they choose which take gets used. They choose a scene gets cut, cut, cut out or not. They choose how the arc feels. They put the score in, which kind of gives the emotional cues to the audience of what you're feeling. So you, you don't have a whole lot of control. It's, it's a beautiful art. And I'm, I want to keep acting as long as they'll let me. Um, but I think for me, just exploring storytelling in a deeper and more, it's still collaborative, but it's like your vision. You're getting all these people to come together and, and work towards a, a singular goal of a, of a, of a project or a story. Um, and yeah, just after being on sets for God, 18 years now, um, I've always been obsessed with the entire process of filmmaking. And I've always like, whenever they would say after nine hours of working as a kid that I had to go home because that was like the legal hours that kids were allowed to work. I was pissed. Right. I was like, I know I, I, I'm happy to keep shooting, please. And so then I just go hang out with the camera guys in the camera truck and they teach me about lenses and, and film stock and camera bodies and all these things. And, and so for me, I've just, I've always been a very curious young lad and, and that's led me to where I am now. That's great because it, um, I don't know, you, you've worked on some really great stuff and some really fun stuff. My wife and I, we, uh, we fired up a journey to the center of the earth the other night, which was so much fun. Like, it's just such a fun, it was exactly the kind of escape that we needed. It was really fun. The movie feels like a video game and it, it, it was, it was a blast. So, you know, yeah, I know it's actually uh, funny about, about that movie is that, um, it was the first feature length film shot in um, with two camera bodies for th- making it 3D. So like James oh, Cameron wow. was there on set in the early days, like setting up the cameras with our director and DP and everything. Um, and it was really cool just for my mind of like loving technical things and cameras and lenses and stuff to actually be there and see how that whole thing worked um, was, was a really, really cool thing to see as well. I mean, I would imagine too, because you've worked with so many great directors that you probably have access. If you wanted to, you could just start asking directors like, hey, can we go to lunch? Can I pick your brain? And they probably would do it. I, I have not tried, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I've gotten to work with some amazing people. And, and you know, from, from the very beginning of my career, I, I've been very fortunate to work with some of the best in the business. And, and you know, just, just watching them, you absorb things. You absorb seeing as a director how their mind works, what they focus on, when they focus on it, and how they communicate with the team and, and how important it is to show leadership but also be collaborative and not be too boneheaded but also be a leader. It's, it's, it's this very, like, dynamic dance, and, and I've seen it work incredibly well, and I've also seen the whole movie fall apart because that wasn't in place the way it should be. Um, so I think, I think I've learned a lot over the years. What do you think a director's job is? Like, what do you, because everyone has a slightly different answer. When you think of directing, what is that job? For me, directing is really about, it's like orchestrating, I think. It's, it's about like hiring the best people that you believe in to be, you know, your camera department, your production designer, costumes, everything across the board, and, and be open to their opinions and their professionalism and what they have experienced but also keeping the vision that you want to create um, right there and present and making sure it's communicated well, because if, if you're not communicating what it is that you want, or if you don't have answers to questions, people get lost. And I've been on sets where 
directors don't really know what they want and they're kind of getting pushed around by like the DP saying this, the AD saying this. And, and that just like leads to a shit. It's a mutiny. And, and it's, it, you have to run it like a shit. You know, there has to be a level of respect. And I think the way you garner that respect is by giving it and by giving something to believe in. And I think that that is the confidence you have in the story you're telling and how you want to accomplish it. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, it, it really, I've heard people say things like, well, you're a director is a storyteller or my job as a director is just to weed out the dickheads and just only work with nice people. All true. But the, All true. You, really, you, <laughs> you really do have to have the final answer on everything. I mean, it, again, it, I always find that when people start doing something when they're really young, there's just an ingrained, almost, like it, film is in your DNA because it just fused to your being at such a young age that you understand it yeah. so much more than, than people who pick it up as adults. Yeah, I mean, I, if, if I look back at my life, I mean, I, I started acting when I was nine years old. Um, at that point, I pretty much stopped going to regular school. Um, I was constantly moving around the country world for months at a time doing projects. So I didn't have a very normal childhood. I didn't have normal childhood friends. I didn't have a normal school experience. I had a responsibility of working every day and like showing up and I was always around adults. And so I think because of that too, when you're young, your mind is so valuable and you can soak up so much. I think just for me getting that experience, uh, it is ingrained in me and it's something that I feel like being on set and being in that environment with the crew is like my most comfortable place because that's sort of was what I did for so many formative years of, of my life. And it's, but the other thing that's interesting is that having, you know, cause I would imagine you, you said, Oh, you have some social anxiety. Would you describe yourself as introverted? Uh, selectively selectively introverted <laughs> or maybe selectively extroverted. I'm not exactly, I know that like for me, I just, because I didn't have a normal social upbringing and, and interacting with people I interacted on sets, it just, uh, and, and then like the hunger games thing happened, which being in that fame world and that like notoriety and stuff is so crazy that you just kind of build these weird little walls and places. And, and just now I feel like having out of it for as many years as I have, I'm able to like drop those walls more and, and like let people in and, and really open up to friendships and, and things like that. And, you know, cause as, as a kid, I never had like best friends. I didn't have like somebody that I would like talk to all the time or like had that like solid connection with my friends have always been kind of like touch and go. And I think that just now I'm able to really build these real lasting, honest, open friendships. Um, it took me a while to get here, but it's great. It's great now that I'm here. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different, so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. 
Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I'm glad to hear that, yeah, because it, if, especially if you're growing up on sets, you're living a very sort of socially nomadic lifestyle where it's like, oh, you form a bond over the course of a few months and then you sort of pick up and move on. I mean, obviously, Hunger Games, you did, I don't know how long it took to shoot that, but there were three films, so you five, obviously... Four or five years total, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that is that is just a whole other thing. Like, I don't know... I don't know how a, how a young person even understands or processes that kind of a phenomenon. And, I mean, you seem fine, so I'm glad it all worked out. But it, more or less, I'm more or less fine, Chris. <laughs> how, do you, how do you navigate that? I mean, like, you know, obviously you get the job and you, you know, like, oh, well, this is a really popular book series. This is probably going to be a big thing. But you can't, I can't imagine that you're emotionally prepared no, until I'm, it like hits and you're, and you're like, holy shit. Yeah, I, I don't think any, anyone at any point age of their life could be prepared for that, you know. And, and for me, I was 18 when it first started. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think any of us, like me, Liam and Jen, like none of us really knew what it was going to become. We knew that it was this book. We knew that it was like had a huge following and and this formula has been set up and proven to be massively successful. But I I don't think that I ever even processed what that could mean or what life would be like or anything. And, and two, like, you know, I, I started acting because I love storytelling. I love movies. And I thought like, once I found out acting was like a do, I wanted to do that. I never, I never thought about what it would mean to be famous or what it would mean to have you know, no longer have anonymity and, and, and have that invasion in a sense and, and that, that robbing of something that feels so human and personal and private. Um, I, I never anticipated that or expected it. And, and, it, and it is just crazy. Like going into that world was, was absolutely nuts. Um, and, you know, it was hard. It was hard for me to process it. It was hard for Jen and Leo, all, all of us to process that. Um, and I think too, like I spent a lot of time after it kind of blew up sort of being very quarantined, so to speak, and very like, you know, reclusive in myself. Um, and, I, and I think now just having the years out of it, I, I have a much healthier perspective on all of it and what it meant and what it changed. And, and I'm extremely appreciative and, and I just recognize how lucky um, I was. And, and so much of this business for actors, especially comes down to luck and timing. And, and just for me to have had that is, is I'm extremely fortunate. But I think it's also what's going to make you a good director too, especially if you work with young actors that you, you, you have experience, you know, and you're still in your twenties and you have experience like real life experience in this business that you'll be able to mentor like young actors and be like, okay, I, I kind of know what you're going. You'll be able to talk to them in a way that a lot of directors may not necessarily be able to, because they haven't been yeah. to the experience. No, completely. I mean, I think like if I, if I think back to some of my favorite directors that I, my favorite directors, as far as giving me direction, a few of them were former actors themselves. So I think that there is a way to communicate that. I think that I have luckily had the experience of being an actor to, to kind of help with that. But yeah, it's completely true. 
especially being a young actor and, and finding the at some point to work with a child actor as a director because I, I know what I was like as a child actor and and kind of being in that mindset and what it's like and how that feels um, so I'm excited to be able to share that uh, with some some young actors what kind of what what was the what genre of was the movie that you were that you're gonna direct um it's a like psychological thriller kind of world um, I've always been obsessed I mean when I was when I was 10 years old, I did my first interview um, for like Scholastic Magazine. I was shooting this movie called Little Manhattan and they came on set and I did my first interview um, and the interviewer asked me what my favorite movie was and I said Fight Club. Um, and, <laughs> and I was 10. Uh, so, so I've had a very, uh, my parents have been very liberal with my viewership of things. Um, so that, that like that were Ronnie Darko, it's, it's very much in this kind of psychological thriller questioning reality what does it mean to be a human sort of the difference between dreams and reality, like kind of playing with those themes um, and mental illness to a certain extent as well. Um, it's kind of the world that, that I'm, I'm playing in for, for this project. That I, all, everything you said makes sense. And it's also, I also, when I was growing up, my parents were like, yeah, watch whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, not like porn, but I mean <laughs> like, you know, like R-rated comedies or, or, or horror movies uh-huh. or, or thrillers and stuff. And I kind of think it's great because I don't know, it just, it just sort of fed a certain amount of creativity because it kind of, it really does expand. It does kind of expand your horizons at an influential age. And I, I'm thankful that I was able to see a lot of like weird fucked up comedies and weird, you know, horror movies and stuff when I was younger. Yeah. Cause it, it just kind of fed that. No, completely. I, I think, you know, it's so much based on the individual. Um, I'm sure that a lot of, I have a lot of fucked up things about me too, because of my parents allowing me to see these things and what, you know what I mean? It's, it's such a good balance and, and it's up to each individual, I think, to kind of make those decisions. But for me personally, I agree. I feel that being, having access to the world of movies and content at a young age, um, I, I think it, it developed a lot of my sensibilities and how I view things and how I view storytelling for sure. When you're watching a movie, are, do you think in terms of shot lists or are you like, what, does the director part of your brain go to the story and performances or do you think like shot composition? Because I always thought, oh, director's got to You got to think of all the shots. And then another friend of mine who's a director goes, no, that's what a DP is for. You just have to make sure the story makes sense. You have to like pull it all together. I, you know, I think that I, I think about both, to be completely honest, like I, I'm trying sometimes it's hard for me. I feel like to just watch a movie and really let go, um, which sounds obnoxious to say, but it's kind of true also because I am constantly thinking about why that shot, why are we in this shot now? What story is this angle telling? Why would you not want to show from this angle? Like I'm just constantly thinking about that as well as the story, as well as the performances, the music. I'm just, I really, I get kind of scatterbrained watching. And I think when I really see a movie that, um, that I love is when that thing turns off and I'm just in it, you know, and, and, and losing myself in it. Um, which, which happens, you know, quite a bit. Um, it happened most recently. I think the biggest one I can remember, um, was with Parasite. That was a movie where like, I, I like went into it really excited about it. I started watching it and my, I, my director brain just turned off and was just like, Oh my God, I'm on this ride. This is like, I didn't know where I was going to go. I was buying everything. The shots were beautiful, but I wasn't like thinking about it. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't turn off most of the time. Well, that to me signals 
that maybe directing is probably the thing you should be doing. <laughs> I mean, in addition, just because it, I so envy that because I think, I don't know, like most of my friends, it turns out are either comedians or directors. And I'll be watching a movie, even with my wife, and she'll go, oh, the shot composition, I'll go, I didn't even notice that. Like, it just doesn't register in my brain. Like, I just don't see that stuff. And so it makes me think, like, yeah, that's definitely, maybe that's not something I should do. No, but, I but just too, like, like, yeah, but, but also like your friend said, you know, as a director, your main objective is to tell the story and make sure that makes sense. That is, you are a storyteller. And if you're a director who is much more heavy handed with the performances, the writing and that element, you have a great DP, you guys meet and talk about, and you have your visual ideas of kind of what you want the feel to be like, but you can totally let your DP handle that. Um, I think for me, I just kind of bounce back and forth between all of it always, uh, which is probably one of my weaknesses. I need to focus in on one thing and then, and then compartmentalize all the other shit and get it to just sh shut up for a minute. Can you, are you, are you able to, are you going to direct yourself in the movie? I really don't want to. I really don't want to. Actually, I made, so there was, I did this project, God, it was like five years ago now. Um, was it more than five? No, it was like five, four or five years ago. Um, and we took, um, I partnered with uh, John Avnet and uh, The Blacklist, and we found five unproduced Blacklist uh, screenplays. And then we made five short films out of those in hopes to like incubate them to become features. Um, and one of those was the one that I'm going to be making as a director. And I directed the short film and I acted in it. And it's, it's just really hard. I mean, it's this, this character especially has like a lot of mental breakdowns. You know, he's going through some mental health issues. It's very surreal and kind of all over the place. And the performance needs to feel unhinged. And for me, needing to direct and act to bounce between those two was really, really fucking hard in a three day short film shoot, let alone an entire feature length shoot. Um, they would both suffer. My acting would suffer and the directing would suffer if I had to do both for this specific project. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you have a scene where you have a full breakdown and then you go, okay, cut. And then you go over to video village and you watch back the scene and then you got to go back and do it again. Like it just doesn't, on an indie film, like you don't, you won't even have time to watch playback always, you know, like even like when I, when I shot the short film, you're cramming a lot of stuff in a very small amount of time. Um, and so I didn't get to watch playback a lot of times. So I would just be like, I, my writer was there, a couple of producers, people that I trust. My DP had a really good sense of performance. And so I'd be like, I feel like we got it. Do you think we have it? Because I, I, we need to move on. But like, I want to make sure. And they would be like, I think you should try one more. Like, okay, cool. All right. Yeah, yeah, good. And you know what I mean? So like, but it's just, it, it, was, right. it was too much, man. It was, it was brain overload. And, and I, uh, I would like to cast an amazing actor for that character. <laughs> that would be my goal. By the way, I can just see a slit. Is it? Is that a sliver of dog behind you? Oh yeah, I see a dog leg. I see a dog leg yeah. behind you. Yep, that's oh. that's Munchie. He's so adorable. He's a lovely, lovely creature. You have two? Yeah, I got two. Two two big, big pit bulls. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, we just we just got a puppy a couple weeks before all the shit went down. Oh wow. And, uh, he's he's gonna be a big boy. He's, it's, it's a dog called an otter hound. And uh He's already enormous and he's only three and a half months old, but, uh, I, yeah, I see dogs, man. Like I love them so much, but sometimes they're just such a pain in the ass and they're like such different personalities and they're both like 75 pounds and just like, <laughs> I'm like, sometimes I'm like, you guys run my life. 
Like literally, you guys are the kings of this castle. I bow down. Totally. <laughs> totally. And yeah. I mean, not not to equate it as the same as having children, but in a way, it's like when a dog like when the dog needs something, you have to I mean, it, it definitely feels like um a light precursor to yeah, when another creature needs your attention, you cannot focus on yourself. You have to give that creature your full attention because it needs you. And that is the agreement that you made with it. You know, that's, that's, I, I think, I think dogs are way, way harder than kids. For sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it can't be that Why hard to be a human. I mean, at some point they can start doing shit on their own. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it takes a while. No, I it know. It takes a while. I know. I'm kidding. I have one of my, one of my, one of my, one of my really good friends. Um, they, they have a, uh, they have like a three-year-old right now. And we FaceTime a lot of days and I can't imagine having young child right now in these times and being quarantined and they have like an apartment. So they don't like have a whole lot of space. And it's just like, he's like, man, we're going crazy over here. Like he's super creative and they always like are inventing fun things to do and everything, but it's a very like, you know, charismatic kid that he has a lot of energy and a lot of, you know, things. And, and it's just like, damn, (laughs) I'm so happy. I don't have to have that pressure added on right now. Yeah, I can't figure out like what the ideal age for a quarantine is because if it's, I feel like a baby is a baby, right? Like a baby is going to be this, a baby's going to be about the same behavior in any situation because they're babies. There's an age window where they're too young to understand what's going on. And so I would imagine there's a lot of like, no, we can't go outside. No, we can't go do this. No, I know you don't understand. But then there's an age where they do understand, but don't like it, maybe. Yeah. And then there's they're teenagers where they're like, I hope they don't fucking sneak out in the middle of the night. You know, like, I just can't imagine like, what the ideal age is. I know. I was talking to my neighbor, actually, and they have like a, I think a 16 or 17 year old son. And I was talking to him the other day and, and uh, with the, the father and he was like, I don't know what we're going to do. They're like, this, 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 this is a very difficult young child, young man at some times. And now he's with us all the time. And like, yeah. it's like, that's like, that's gotta be, especially in an age where, you know, if you're a social kind of person, you're constantly around friends, you're constantly doing things and plans. Like I, I, when I was 16, I was sneaking out of my house all the time and doing crazy shit. And so I can't imagine now, like it, it, it sounds like, I don't know what the perfect age is. They're probably, I think baby, baby is the best age to hey, have. Baby right is probably the perfect the age. <laughs> yeah. Because a teenager, they're, you know, two things. Number one, they do not want you in their space. And number two, you know, your brain still isn't fully wired for things like consequences. So, and they're horny. It, it, you yes, all that all together. That, and they, and they, and like you said, they need social interaction. Like they need to, like a lot of them need to be, you know, and, and again, this is why I'm so thankful that we live in an age where at least people can, FaceTime or they can, you know, network game or whatever to at least have some connection. Um, because I would imagine, you know, there are a lot of teenagers who are fucking pissed and don't care why they can't go out, but just are angry that they can't go out. That's a lot to take on as a parent. That's a lot to take on. And then imagine like trying to work from home too, trying like there's just it's there's so many, so many levels of this shit that are so crazy. Yeah, I mean, I have adult friends that are like, God damn it, I can't fucking, but like, are having the anxiety of like, 
So we're not supposed to leave at all? Yeah, you're not supposed to leave at all. I mean, you can walk around your block, but put a mask on and just like, but don't get near anyone. But this, I don't want to fuck. Yeah, I know yeah. no one wants to have to do it, but this is just the way it is. Like, and yeah. having those conversations even with adults, you know, who, no, who know No, a better. thousand percent. I, I've had to talk some friends off the ledge of being like, fuck this. I'm not going to do this. It's not even proven to work. Like, whatever. I'm like, don't do that. Do not go there. You have to do this. You're very emotional right now. You're very upset. I, just, I, I hear that. <laughs> what's the first thing you're going to do when it's all are you going to go out the first day like if they're like okay you can leave your house now are you going to go out the first day or are you going to like give it a week or something <laughs> I don't know man I, honestly like there's I'm nervous I think a lot of people are going to develop severe intimacy issues and affection issues and agoraphobia and all this shit and I like I I my instinct is to like go out and just hug a bunch of people a bunch of strangers and just yeah. like be close and be like, Oh, people all over me. Um, yeah. But then part of me is like, that's probably going to freak a lot of people out if I behave like that. Um, <laughs> they might be, they, they might, but they would understand though. I think, I think most people will understand. I think a lot of people will understand, but even now, you know, we walk the puppy around our neighborhood. We stay very far away from anyone. We, we don't go outside, like just around our block. That's it. But we have a neighbor who's a very nice lady. Um, but when she saw the puppy, she started to come near it. Oh, you have a puppy. I'm like, no, 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 you can't come near us. Like I, <laughs> and it wasn't that we were, it's like, you, it's not even like we're afraid of getting it, but it's just like, no one knows anything about this thing. We just can't get near each other. I don't want, like, if we have something, but don't know, we don't want to get near, you know? Yeah, and yeah. I must've sounded like a freak, like, no, 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 don't get, we can't get near you, you know? A hundred percent. Okay, you know. Well, it's it's a weird thing. It's it's weird, like navigating everyone everyone's different levels of their like COVID bubble. You know what I mean? It's right. like, like I I go to the grocery store like maybe once every ten days or so, and you know, just seeing how there are some people that uh, that just don't give a shit, and you'll be like grabbing some apples or something, and they'll just walk right up next to you, and you're just like, "Excuse me, <laughs> like how do you react to that? Like you are." <laughs> standing within six feet of me you know you feel like an crazy person like how do you handle this i saw a guy like pick up an avocado and then put it back and i was like bro no you touch it you that's your avocado this is this is the world we live in now it's no longer break it by you touch it you buy it's so just like that avocado now whether you like it or not (laughs) my my friend was telling me he was at the store and he saw this like guy probably in his 60s like kind of harder looking dude and he had like his face mask on and stuff and he was like in the produce area like getting some like fruit or whatever and like he had to sneeze and so he pulls his mask down <laughs> sneezes and then puts his mask oh my god <laughs> oh, it's oh like my. it's just it's the wild west out here man <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that shit. I know. You can't do that shit. I know. And like even standing in line to get in the grocery store, you know, the store we go to, they have like a person out front, like a security person who's making sure everyone is maintaining distance. And there have been times where we were standing in line and like, like someone gets too close and they're like, sir, please step back. And we need to maintain six feet of distance. And you see like some people are just like, are you fucking kidding me? And then other people are like, yes, please. Thank you very much. Like I was going to say something, but I'm happy. Something like, you don't know, I don't know how to like yeah. interact in these times. It's so strange. You know, the, the, the thing about it is this, if they came out tomorrow and said, oh, you know, we were wrong about everything. It's totally fine. I am, I am still more than happy to err on the side of caution. I'm more than happy to say like, 
you know what? I'm not going anywhere and I'm not getting near anyone because uh, it, like nothing, like it's just better to do it that way. You know, like it, even retrospectively, if they come out later and they go, okay, well, we got some of this stuff wrong. I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm still happy that I did what I felt was the right thing to do. Not just for me, but for everyone. Like that is, that is how we are. That is how we can contribute is by not, by not, grabbing avocados and putting them back or sneezing on people like stay home and save lives that's like what the equation comes down to right now as we know it and it's like when and else in your life you're able to just stay home and do nothing and potentially save thousands of lives and you know it's it's yeah it's 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 very it's very crazy we'll 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 see when it ends and how it all ends and where we go from here i like to think that one thing if I may, that feels like uh, could be a positive out of this is that we're seeing something that impacts all of us and that we all have to find a way to work together to solve. And I like to think that this is a blueprint of climate change and like to think that seeing something that is this big of an issue and everyone having to vastly change their lives to do things differently to solve this problem, that's what needs to happen when it comes to climate change. So I'm hoping that we can learn some lessons for this and how to work together and be aware that we are so interconnected and what one person does directly impacts another person in such a severe way. Let's apply that same mentality to something like climate change. Well, but I, I also just think that it, um, humans are very adaptable and we will find ways to sort of, um, we will find ways to work through it even if it's a soft ending to all this where it's not like one day they go, okay, everything's fine. If it's like a series of steps where ultimately it's okay. And then maybe there's a vaccine and then blah, blah, blah. But it, 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 it's, it reminds me of how, uh, I, I imagine you're, you're in Los Angeles. I, I assume. Yeah. I, I, I see the, I see the, the, the Spanish, uh, casita archways and stuff like, yeah, that's yep. Um, so, uh, you know, having lived through like a massive, I mean, I remember going through the, the Northridge earthquake in 94, you were but a wee lad. And, uh, and I was, I was a tiny lad in, in Kentucky. <laughs> oh, you were in Kentucky. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. born in Louisville. What part of Kentucky? Oh, I'm, I'm from Northern Kentucky, just South of Cincinnati. Oh, nice. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, there's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a comedy club. I think it's a Zanies or something. And when I've performed, when I've gone to Cincinnati to perform, it's like technically Northern Kentucky. Yeah, 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 completely. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So, but in the, in the Northridge earthquake, um, it, you know, obviously fucked up the city. And for, you know, weeks, maybe a couple months too, there were aftershocks. And I just remember being out in public and there was a stronger sense of community because everyone had been through this thing. And so when there was an aftershock, I was in like a cafe or something and everyone kind of checked to make sure if everyone else was okay. And it, it sucked that we were going through it, but there was a real sense of community of like, okay, we're all in this together. And I really, I, I hope that we're able to maintain a sense of that for a while and that it doesn't just go away the minute that everything seems fine, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it feels like a it feels like a paradigm shift. It does just because it is something so big and so sudden and is impacting so many people that it, it, I can't imagine that there aren't some residues of that that, that remain and, and hold over and, and hopefully make some some changes for the better for sure. 
Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yeah, and then, of course, you know, kids who are babies now are not going to understand why in 10 years their parents are like, don't get near those kids. What are you hugging people for? What are you hugging people for? Don't touch your face. A hundred percent. Touching the face one is weird. Like you and I just both did it now. Oh God! You know? Like what you, am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> I got it all over me, man. I know because you know we're you know, humans are barely not chimps. We just yeah. touch our fucking face all the goddamn time. A hundred percent. So I don't I don't know if like if the future of our society is like someone makes a certain type of face protector. That keeps you from like that. We all just get combed like dogs after a surgery, and that that's how we have to live from now on, just to make sure we're okay. Or they're gonna put like implants in, so we can't get our arms above above like <laughs> shoulder height to touch our own faces. Yeah, we're gonna evolve T-Rex. like T Rex people with just these like fucking arms that we can't like we can't touch. We'll have like little extendo things, like brush our teeth, like long <laughs> sticks, and like comb our hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's gonna be like you know like when when they started making non-smoking section there was smoking section and non-smoking section yeah, there's gonna yeah. be like a non-touching a non-physical contact yeah. section where uh, no one can just no one can be near each other yeah we are living in a fucking black mirror episode right now this is just a weird dystopian future timeline that we've all dropped into but i will say it'll be interesting to see you know, especially if you have a little bit of time to to even think more about the movie that you're going to direct, how much this kind of like um, the psychological thriller of our reality, consciously or unconsciously, seeps its way into the iteration of the thing that you end up making. Yeah, you know, I, it's it's like I feel like right now, so many people are writing versions of virus movies and finding ways yeah. to like figure out what does quarantine mean and how can I make this into a thing? And I'm sure a thousand percent this experience is going to influence so much in the arts and, and everything. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I can't think of like, you know, any hard way, but the anxiety, like the social anxiety feeling 
um, is already very prevalent in my film, if you could have guessed. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I think that, that this will seep its way in, without a doubt. Just it, it has to happen. But also, like, why movies like Contagion and, and um, the one, the Dustin Hoffman one that was, um, fuck, with the monkey outbreak, you know? Outbreak, that yeah, These yeah. movies are huge on streaming right now. There is a morbid curiosity about it as people are trying to, to understand it. Completely. I mean, I think, you know, I've, I've always loved science fiction for, for that element, you know, they're in ways they have been future tellers and, you know, predictors of things to come. And so I, I've always been a fan of the genre um, just because you, you can see what some future could potentially exist if we don't change certain things, if we allow, you know, t- tyranny to exist, if we don't do anything about climate change, if we do too much animal testing on monkeys, if like, you know, and just kind of see the right. like, future worlds. And I think, yeah, there's definitely a morbid obsession that people have now with indulging in that and seeing like, do they fix it? Can we fix it? What do we, Matt Damon? What do we do? <laughs> like, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> ah, oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah, we are looking to Matt Damon. Damon, come on, buddy. You something, been man. Like this before? How'd you? You're calling up like Dustin Hoffman. How did you guys cure the monkey virus? Did you? Yeah. Well, that was a movie. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. But but let's say hypothetically speaking. <laughs> Yeah, but that but that's exactly why because someone didn't understand why we watched Outbreak two weeks ago because my wife loves horror and psychological thrillers and stuff too and that you know like like really intense that and a friend of mine was like how could you watch that and I go because they fix it in the end because in the end it's like they just have an aha moment and then everything is you know like it's it's okay yeah so maybe there's maybe there maybe these movies are somewhat hopeful in a way because you're you're watching a group of people go through something catastrophic and, but then it's okay in the end. Yeah. Or then you could watch like a, like a, a very dark indie French version, which is like, it ends and they're like, and everyone is dead. <laughs> <laughs> that is the other, the other non-American, non-optimistic version. Oh God, this was, well, that sort of happens in Parasite, right? A little bit. I mean, it's, I wouldn't, it's like, there is a yes. trace of something that's hopeful in a way, but it's a, it's a, it ends in kind of a bummer way. It's, it's dark. Yeah. I mean, that, that is something that I do like a lot about non very American uh, movies. American cinema has a lot of optimism, I find. And I, I generally right. speaking, I'm optimistic, but I'm also pessimistic. I guess I'm a realist. I don't know what I am, but regardless, I like it when movies punch at the end when it feels like oh shit you know and so I, I i get sometimes frustrated with like these you know very tied up nicely kind of endings and a lot of times it feels like you know foreign cinema whether it be french spanish korean whatever they kind of like lean into like this is how we want it to end like this is what we're going to make this story be and they're not like being pushed too much by the psyche of, of the of the false sense of optimism that Americans often have. <laughs> I totally hear you in any other circumstance, but now if I watched a movie and they didn't solve it at the end, yeah. I'd be like, that's what fuck the news is right now. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Fix true. it. That's true. That's true completely. <laughs> Just as we're sort of like winding this down, it does feel like, you know, it seems like the the kind of the anxiety stuff, the, all that stuff, it feels like you really did manage to get on top of it. So for other people who are kind of struggling, who are a bit younger or maybe not even younger, but like, do you just have any tips? Like just, just ways for people that feel like they're 
kind of being overtaken by anxiety, social anxiety or whatever? Like what are some things that you manage to do to kind of pull yourself out of it and, and get on the other side of it? I think I found the biggest thing that's helped me in, in dealing with social anxiety or anxiety in, in general is, is talking about it, like talking about it with people and whatever friends you have or people around you, just a lot of people are very open and will listen to you if you're talking about something you feel or an issue. And that's a very hard step, especially if you have extreme anxiety is that first step of actually talking about it. But for me, I found that opening up and having a dialogue about it has, has helped tremendously. And you recognize you're not alone. I, I Now after talking about it, I realize like 80% of all my friends have social anxieties to some point. Um, and, and so I think recognizing that is, has been very helpful. Um, and, and I think too, like it's, it's really, it's really easy. I feel in today's society to, to get caught up in, you know, social media and caught up in this idea of, of what you need to be and what is like presented to you and this idea of perfection and chasing this. If you don't have this kind of lifestyle, if you don't have this beauty or whatever it is, then you're somehow less than, um, I think taking out the importance that you give that um, is, is, is really kind of helpful to me a lot of times. Um, you know, if you go on Instagram, sometimes you think that you're a piece of shit and that you're not creating anything and that nothing you ever do amounts to anything because they're all doing the amazing stuff and you're just an idiot loser. And I, that's a very unhealthy mindset to get into. So I think trying to avoid that or reframe it and, and view it from a different perspective, um, is, is something that's really, really important too. Yeah. It, because that's such a great point because it, Listen, you don't go watch a movie and like you watch Matt Damon in a movie. You don't feel bad about yourself because you're not, you know, uh, Jason Bourne. It's like, well, that's a performance. He's giving a performance. And I think sometimes the lines between reality and performance are blurred. But social media is so performative that if you can sort of look at it like a performance, you know, even when people like, you know, put out these perfectly idealized versions, just remember like, yeah, but they're still a person and they still take shits and they still get sad and they still, you know, that's a performance. That's what they want you to see. And that's okay, but it doesn't make you worse of a person because you're not that, you know, like that's a, it's just a, it's a great thing to remember. And I, I bet because of what you went through with like mega fame and hunger games and stuff that allowed you to see that side of it and go, yeah, there's this element of it that's not entirely real. And maybe that's not so healthy. Well, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you, you kind of, you see, you see how the sausage is made. You kind of, you sort of see what that lifestyle looks like from the inside and what it feels like from the inside. And, and you recognize that it's extremely fortunate and it's an amazing experience, but there's so much else that is important. And like your, how you feel with yourself and that, there are these things that there's a lot of pressure and hard to overcome. Um, so I think for sure, like having experienced the hunger games and all that, all that amazing madness, um, definitely it was humbling and scary. And it, and it gives you a bit of a perspective shift on what this idealized thing is that, you know, that people idolize in a lot of ways. And I love the idea of, like you said, of reminding people to have just like real conversations. Cause before all this stuff, how many friends do you have where you just weren't having real conversations? Cause everyone was so caught up in their own shit. Hey, how you doing? How's that thing you're working on? Okay, great. Yeah. Take care. And now we actually have real things to talk about and it's okay to dig in and ask real questions. Hey, are you doing okay? What are you, how are you dealing with this? I feel weird. Do you feel weird? Like, I think it's so important to do that. And also I think in a way a little bit healthier than 
maybe the old way of just having very surface kind of shallow interactions. Yeah, you're skimming across the top of everything, and 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 that's that's something that like I've been um, because I I, like I was saying my girlfriend's Spanish, and so I spend I've been spending a lot of time in Spain, and one of the one of the bigger cultural differences that I've experienced is that when I am communicating with friends there and having like groups and conversations and stuff, there is something that feels a bit bit more deep connected or a bit a bit more real. I think there's a a thing that happens, and and not everybody's like this, and and I, I don't like generalizing. But in my experience, I find that a lot of times I, I would I would see myself in conversations when I'm stateside, and it just felt very topically and very presentational and very much like putting on a show, very performative, as opposed to just like talking for real. And I do think that there is an element of what we're living through right now that that maybe can bring all of us to more of, of a real state of mind and, and communicate in a very real, grounded way. Well, this has just been a delightful conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time, and also. Totally play video games. It's totally cool. <laughs> it's a healthy balance, man. I need. I also need. To, I have like books I need to read. I, just, I need to like. I need to create a routine. That is what I need to do. I've been saying it for three weeks now, but I'm. I'm gonna do it, Chris. I'm gonna do it. God damn it. You're gonna get the routine down, and they're gonna go. Okay, everyone can leave your house. You're like fucking. I just fixed. I just. God, God damn it. Yeah, but it will be interesting to see what the long term effects are and like what habits we we take out of this in the sense of like, you know, I'm sure people have grandparents or great grandparents who went through the great depression and, you know, you'd look at them as a much more comfortable spoiled generation. You're like, God, they, you know, they only had like a tiny piece of food left and they saran wrapped it. Don't say, you know, and then you understand like, yeah, cause they went through a thing that was very, you know, like impactful to them and it affected, it, it informed how they lived the rest of their lives. So it'd be interesting to see like what, what habits we pick up from this and how, and how it all plays out, but continue to talk, continue to just be okay. Just get through the day, however you need to. And lastly, like, is there anything you're particularly like, is there, is there a positivity or a light or something joyful that you kind of hold on to each day to sort of, you know, get through it, remind yourself? Nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I think for me, <laughs> Anything else that I say from here on out is going to be deleted. So that should just be the, the final moment. No, um, I, uh, you know, I, I do think that, that for me, the thing that I, I hold on to as a hope is that this is such a, you're seeing the, the dark side of capitalism. You know, you're seeing all those people that are left behind. You're seeing a lot of people that are, are struggling and it's more out in the open now than it ever has been. Um, and, you know, I, I think that there should be some very, hopefully, some, some big systemic changes in, in American society um, as far as healthcare goes, as far as taking care of people who, who, you know, get by on very little money, on very little food, on child care issues. And, and these things, just to kind of recognize, like I was saying earlier, just how interconnected we really all are. Um, and so if, if there's anything that I could take a positive out of this, it's the hope that we will recognize some of the mistakes that we've made and take a bigger snapshot of what our society stands for and what our morality is as a people. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, make, make some changes to, to help um, bring everyone up to the same level playing field. Well, I, I appreciate your time and I'm, I'm very excited to see your movie when it comes, what, what's, what's it going to be called? Uh, right now it's called Ape. 
Okay. APE. That's like the working title. I don't know what it's going to eventually be called or when it's going to be made or (laughs) a lot of details to be determined, but ape is what it's called. You can, I think you can find the short film, um, maybe on YouTube or Vimeo or something. Um, it's just APE all caps. But yeah, and I also um, just want to rem- I want to remind people who are listening to we're recording this at the beginning of April, but this isn't posting until the first week of May, probably because Future Man Future Man just came out on Hulu, but I imagine yes. this is going to post like right before the fin- this the season finale episode is my guess, or or like no, it's episodes. all it's all out. They dumped they dumped all of it. Well, they dumped everything. Yeah, all yeah, it's all out Got there. It. So this is this is to hopefully get the cleanup crew in there to get the last last of the viewers. <laughs> <laughs> have you not watched future man yet now's your now's your chance, now's your chance. You know? <laughs> but it'll be you know so th- this so all the things we're talking about are applicable as of april 6th yeah so you know we'll see what happens may 5th when this when this how exciting it's like a little time capsule it is a time capsule. This is our little emotional time capsule. Yeah. That we've, our little conversational time capsule that we've. Hopefully, we're gonna hear this. We're gonna hear this beginning of May and be like, "God, we were so doom and gloom. Everything's fine now." God, what assholes! Who the yeah. fuck were those guys? Fuck yeah. them, guys. Go sneeze on avocado yeah, if you want you to. It's cynical fun. dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're just the two old men in the Muppet Show now. Yeah. But uh, in any case. Stay safe, stay healthy, um, and it was uh, it was really great to talk to you, man. I, I can't thank you enough. I'm happy. To All right, take care, Josh. Awesome, and you too. ID Tanti scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built, and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.